Coming up on the Branding Deep Dive podcast. We had one where it's like there's a there's a coffee bean uh, across the street, and we were we were worried just some context about it. we were worried about them because they had a drive through, and we're and we don't have a drive through because we're like all about that you know like the the more like sophisticated cup of coffee, but yeah. Um, so like we put one like right in front of their place, which is like close to us, but it's like you don't get your coffee from a drive-thru, do you? And it was, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was like right there, like on our, on their way to like us. So it's like a, a good way to like bring attention to, to ourselves. Um, and also just let people know that we're there because that's the, also the other thing is that when you don't have that, a lot of people will drive by you not having any idea like that you were there. This is Ahmed Chima and welcome to the Branding Deep Dive podcast. If you're new here, this is a podcast where we have in-depth discussions about what brands are doing well to drive customer loyalty and how you can take those principles and apply them to your own brand. Today, we're talking to Zayn Siddiqui. Zayn Siddiqui is the owner of Where You Bean Coffee, which is a coffee shop in Phoenix, Arizona. He's also the president of Traversing Tradition, which is an online publication dedicated to examine modernity through a Muslim lens. Zayn started out at Where You Bean Coffee by picking up some shifts as a barista, and in 2020, he had the opportunity to become an owner, so he knows the business in and out. In this episode, we dive deep into how to separate yourself as a small business, how to drive traffic to a brick-and-mortar business, getting employees bought in, reviews, and much, much more. Now, here's Zayn Siddiqui. Zayn Siddiqui, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Thank you, Ahmed, for having me on. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about this discussion. Uh, it's something that I am genuinely very interested in, and I think I kind of talked to you a little bit about why I'm interested in it. Uh, but definitely, I'm looking to learn a lot from you, pick your brain on a lot of these things sure. uh, and concepts. Before we get into that and we really dive deep here, uh, for the audience that may not be familiar with who you are and what you do, can you give them a brief introduction? For sure. Um, my name is Zane Siddiqui. Uh, I'm a resident of Phoenix, Arizona. I've been here for the last 16 years or so. Um, I Currently, I own a coffee shop. Uh, I run it with my mom right now. Um, since 2020, we've uh, been running it. And uh, on the side, I'm also a graduate student uh, at, a, at ASU's business school in management. Um, I finished that up, that up in May, inshallah, I'm a political science graduate. Um, I'm just, uh, involved in a few other organizations as well. I uh, run a nonprofit called, named Traversing Tradition, which I think we'll talk about a little bit too, uh, which is an online publication. Um, and then also, uh, I'm on the board of my local masjid, um, one of the bigger mosques in the area. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what occupies my time for the most part. <laughs> Sounds like you're really busy, man. <laughs> Better busy than bored. So Alhamdulillah. Mm. you said you started off as a barista. Um, I, I understand that this was a family business that you've yeah. kind of been in. Yeah. So if you could just kind of paint the picture for us, how you, how, how you started and, and it's called where you being coffee, right? So for the people yeah, that, yeah, yeah. So that's the name of the uh, coffee shop, uh, where you being coffee. I can't take credit for the name. So. It was actually my uncle who started it um, back when I was in high school. Um, so he opened it up in 2013. Um, and it's in a suburb of Phoenix called, or it's in Phoenix proper, actually, but it's in like a, a town area called Awatuki, which is um, 
you know, kind of in the middle of like all the major like boroughs of Phoenix. Um, so it's a pretty good location. Um, he established it back in 2013. Um, I started off as a barista in high school, just helping him out. Um, that was the biggest struggle like early on is like finding people, uh, not, not even just qualified to work, but just people to work in the first place. Right. Um, so I started doing that, uh, in high school. Um, then like through college, I was staying around helping out. I would, a lot of times I'd be running or doing like multiple jobs. Um, because like I had a, a certain career path in mind for myself that didn't involve this. Um, hmm. I was always like, okay, this is my uncle. I'm going to help him out. You know, he needs people to put in some shifts and, uh, keep in mind also. So this kind of goes into the story too. So he was also the executive director of, uh, the care Arizona chapter here, the council on American Islamic relations. So, uh, the, the coffee shop was like a side hustle. So it did need like a, a good level of attention from, you know, other people who weren't necessarily him just because like that time. Mm-hmm. Commitment. Um, so, I mean, he kept it afloat, mashallah, like, mashallah, like he kept it, uh, it's, it was at the top of the ratings early on, despite, you know, being, you know, strapped for time, uh, and effort. And he, he's a father of three, uh, you know, he's a married man, uh, busy guy, mashallah. So, um, seems like that's a recurring theme in the family, huh? <laughs> Super busy people. Yeah. Um, Alhamdulillah, it's like, uh, it's a, it's a good thing to do, I think. Um, but yeah, so that, that was kind of like the, the, what, what the outlook of it was like, and it was running like that for, for years up until 2020. And then, um, he kind of decided, um, that he wanted to, you know, focus, uh, specifically on the civil rights, uh, his civil rights career, um, in that, you know, he wants the coffee shop to be given its due. He wants it to be given its, you know, proper, uh, have people who are like fully invested in it and taking care of it. So, um, he decided to sell it to my mom and myself, um, in 2020, ironically, like right before the pandemic, March 1st was the day we acquired mm-hmm. it. Actually. He got um, you, man. He tricked you. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's a running joke, but he kind of set us up. He knew something that we did. <laughs> Um, it was before any lockdowns were happening in Phoenix or anything like that. We all thought, you know, COVID was a joke, whatever. But, um, so we took over in 2020 and, um, at first, obviously it was rough given like there were lockdowns, uh, you know, government or like shutdowns. We were actually, the shop shut down for some time, actually, like in the summer of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, but the silver lining of that was that, you know, we got to go in there, like, uh, because we were closed, we got to go in work uh in terms of you know renovating the shop what it looked like uh kind of you know re- reinventing the the look of it a bit while also maintaining that you know consistency because that's the thing that was beneficial about this business is that we weren't starting from the ground up we were inheriting an already existent customer base an already inherent you know uh group of suppliers that uh, we uh you know that we liked and wanted to use um so it was, it was, uh, you know, an easier flow in uh, compared to like starting it right up, like right before the pandemic. So we got to change some stuff around. Um, that, that, that was a silver lining of it. And then we, we opened back up first curbside only. Um, and then we opened up back like the, like the full inside, um, in, a, in about September of 2020. And since then we've been fully open uh alhamdulillah things have been better than they ever were before in terms of just like sales numbers and like people who are coming in we're getting a lot of new customers um 
and I got to give a lot of thanks in terms of that to, you know, uh, my mom, especially my brother was, uh, who right now is putting in more work just by nature of our school schedules right now than I am. Um, you know, uh, our operations manager, his name is Mustafa. He's a great guy and all our employ other employees too. Like they, they put in a lot of work, um, and we couldn't have done it without them. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot you just dropped there. I think yes, one of the sorry. things that, no, you're good. You're good. Yeah. Uh, it was awesome. I think one of the things that I want to start with uh, really diving into is if I'm a new coffee shop today, how do I go about acquiring customers, right? Like you guys started where you be in coffee. I'm, I'm sure. Are there Starbucks in the area? Don't get yeah, yes. There, there's a Starbucks across the street from us and there's a Dunkin Donuts and a, uh, I don't know if you guys have it, but it's called Coffee Bean Tea, tea and Leaf. Uh, it's, it's pretty, it's a chain up the West coast. So they're like, they are a chain, like they're known to be a chain too. So there's that also like right across the street too. So yeah. And where you're being is, is not a franchise, right? It's just a, no, no, it's just standalone shop right now. Yeah. So how do you like, how do you even come into this marketplace? Because I think one of the things that holds a lot of people back at the small business level, not even coffee, I'm talking about in general is like, Oh, I see one big player. I see another big player. Like, how can I even carve a space in this market, right? Like it's such a, you know, Starbucks is here, Dunkin' Donuts is here. What am I going to do, right? Sure. And so I want to pick your brain on this as someone that's an example of doing it, right? Like how are you, uh, how do you approach that, right? How do you carve out your little brand in the space of these big chains? Yeah, um, it's, it's definitely daunting for a lot of people. It's always like, even when we're looking at like other potential second locations, like it's something that crosses our mind. It's like, oh, but there's a Starbucks in that area or there's like these other chains in that area. And people, a lot of times who are attached to chains, they stay pretty loyal to those chains just out of convenience and uh, just, I guess, that reliability, right? Um, I think a few things, right? So pandemic was obviously horrible for a lot of people in a lot of different ways. But there are some silver linings that we can take from that. Number one was that people really want to support small business right now. Um, mm. A lot of a lot of uh, you know uh, customers like supporting local businesses um, just by nature of them being local. Even if they've never gone before, even if they haven't heard about it, they're just like, okay, I want coffee. Uh, let me look for a place that's not Starbucks. That's not you know uh, Dunkin' Donuts. That's not a chain, right? That's not you know these are the people who are actually who are mostly suffering from what was happening over the past two years. Um, so capitalizing on that. Um, and it's kind of like you have a lot of people that are just walking into your shop, walking into your business just by nature of, you know, this level of good heartedness that they want to support like the, the smaller guy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of that, that's like the, your kind of entry point is that there's always going to be people wanting to support local and small businesses just because uh, you know, that, that empathy factor. And also there is a quality factor that they expect that, uh, you care more about your product. You care more about, uh, you know, the, the customers themselves too. You care more about the business. Um, so they know, or they assume that they're going to get a better quality product than somewhere, uh, you know, corporate, there might be fewer choices, right? That's the thing that these corporations can do a lot of times is that they can, you know, throw out like a ton of choices for you to have. They have a bunch of diversity in uh, their inventory to, you know, to sell, but um, they know they're getting a 
that or they expect to be getting a higher quality. And the thing to that's the onus is on us as the business owner, um, you know, as the people working in these small businesses is is to provide that high quality product. So how are you uh, differentiating yourself from uh, you know, these bigger places. And I mean, that's, that's the question that you asked. So at least when I'm, when I'm talking specifically about, you know, where are you being coffee? Um, our whole thing is about being like in, uh, in business, they call it a different differentiation, uh, strategy where it's like, okay, it might be not the cheapest cup of coffee. It's not going to be, you know, um, you, it's not going to be a $1 circle K cup that you can get somewhere else, but it's going to be a very high quality cup of coffee and you're paying good money for a, very good cup of coffee. You're paying good money for, you know, uh, beans that you know that are really great. Uh, a machine that's being operated, that's, you know, being taken care of, that's, uh, you know, a high-end type of machine where it's, you know, uh, you know, baristas who are well-trained and care about what they're doing. You know, that's the thing with a lot of like these big businesses too, that um, we might touch on it later, but it's like, People working in like even just the regular employees, not even like the the owners or the the management or whatever it might be, just the baseline lowest level employee. They have far more care about the business and the product and you know the the trajectory of the business than someone who is like a low level employee, like Starbucks, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even even up until management, management only cares about uh, management of the corporations care more about like the you know. Am I doing well enough to keep my job? Basically, the only people who really care about, you know, the performance of that shop at the end of the day are the owners of that shop. And of course, the franchise owner themselves. Um, Whereas over here, you have every single employee is kind of invested in, you know, making this the best possible version that it can be. So you have uh, basically, I guess it's in a long form answer. You kind of have to excel in every possible way that you can to give Mm. yourself advantage over you know, these bigger, these bigger places. Right. And, and, and also at the end of the day, you also have to accept that those big places aren't necessarily your competition per se, right. Your main comp- competition is going to be like the other small coffee shops. Right. Um, but that kind of attracts people away from those you know places where it's like, they come to our shop, they drink the, co- they have like a good latte, whatever. And then they can never go back to Starbucks again because we ruined their, their uh, <laughs> taste. I've had that said to people a lot. They're like, I, can never go back to any of these places again just because like like it's such a high standard of you know coffee that you're making for me so um mm-hmm. they know like desserts are high quality and they're made great so it's like uh they really like the food they like you know the vibe of everything and just like that uh it all plays into this aspect of like uh we want to support small businesses and we're getting a better quality product than what the you know the bigger places can offer yeah it sounds like you're saying and correct me if I'm not capturing this right, but it sounds like you're saying that if we break it down into like the customer journey, pre-post, pre-purchase, purchase, post-purchase, what really is helping you nowadays in the coffee space and small business space is that there is a sentiment that people want to support small businesses. So you're getting increased awareness just by the fact that you are a small business nowadays. And then from there, once you get that awareness, people come in the door what really differentiates you is the purchase, uh, the experience of the coffee, the quality, uh, and really just the quality of the product is what's uh, helping you uh, kind of maintain those customers and retain those customers uh, and make them coming back again. Uh, is that is that accurate? Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great summary of my rant there. But yeah, <laughs> no, I think that's super important uh, for the audience and myself to pick up. Is that like, look, 
there are different trends that may be happening. And if like, I think you see this in content creation all the time, right? Like people are on TikTok, they want to do the next, you know, dance or next trend or whatever. And then yeah. they may get like a little bit of a, a bump. But if you don't have a profile there that is providing some sort of value and is good consistently and providing some kind of quality content consistently, you're not going to convert those people into lifetime followers. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like you can ride a wave, but it's not going to sustain. So you got to be conscious of these waves and conscious of these things that are happening and then make sure that you have the quality to back it. So super powerful, powerful lesson there. Thank you for sharing Zane. Um, one of the things that you did bring up is uh, the people being invested in the mission. And I think right now, I don't know how it is in Phoenix, but like over here, like we can't even staff our McDonald's and our, our fast food chains anymore. Right. Like there's, a great shortage of labor. Um, and, and, you know, I think they're calling it like the, the, the great resignation. Yeah. A lot of people are not it's happening um, here. Yeah. 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 It's super hard to find talented people to work uh, and it's costing more. And right. Like how do you, as a small business owner, what are some strategies? What are some best practices that we can take to make sure number one, we're able to attract uh, people that actually want to work for us. And then number two, once we have them on the team, how do we make sure that they are invested in the in the project like you're you're mentioning, right? Like uh I think part of the whole, you know, big business is not you know, like how do we avoid someone coming into our small business and then feeling the same way, like instead of caring about the quality, they care about just keeping their job. For sure. Um I think there's a few different things that kind of contribute to that. Um at least for us, I would say it's this kind of like uh, this top down approach where it's like the owners are with you working like every day. Like you see the people who are making these big decisions, you're listening to them and their suggestions too. Um, at least w when talking about like the current staff and like who we have and like after a while, once they get hired and after they're in this environment, they realize, okay, it's not just like a laissez faire type, you know, laid back management. It's like, okay this man is working, you know, X amount of hours, he's putting in a, a ton of shifts, um, you know, and they see like, you know, if you're putting up a, a high quality, you know, not just that you're there, but also high quality work ethic itself. Like, are you, you know, making the drinks to the best of your ability? Are you cleaning up uh, properly? Are you, you know, treating customers, you know, with, you know, great respect and uh, dignity and like, you know, basically like, in like if with the the owner my mom doesn't uh when she's since she's my co-owner she doesn't make drinks but she's the one who's baking everything so she's there all the time who's she's uh baking food keeping an eye on it, everything but she's there consistently she's interacting with the employees it's not like just to pop in once every week or so uh just to see how things are going you know collect cash from the register and just dip out it's mm -hmm. like your our involvement really helped foster that idea of like care into the business because if they see that you're invested then you know they're gonna have some level of investment too um and i think uh going back to the first part of the question how how to find people of uh you know high quality it's tough um the thing is with our industry it's it's pretty easy to to teach and learn and it's a lot of like you learn it on the fly type thing um where it's not like i need to have people who 
because I started off, I knew not a single thing about coffee, but like, I mean, and then look at me today, like <laughs> complete, complete 180, but like you, you start somewhere basically. Right. Um, mm-hmm. where it's like, this is something that, and if we have like a good, like curriculum as a, as a business and we're able to teach them this, um, and just by also assessing the reality that it's, it is like slim pickings right now with, you know, how short, uh, and it's not yet, like you said, it's not just in like, you know, fast food also, it's like teachers are hard to come by, you know, uh, employees that almost on almost every level are difficult to come by right now, um, besides medicine, but, um, like that, that's, uh, going to be, that's tough. So it's adjusting to that, but also, you know, uh, looking for the, the type of, uh, high quality people and with high quality people, the thing I look for the most whenever I'm interviewing people is like a level of like inquisitiveness because that shows that they kind of care about like what they want to like, do they want to learn about what they're doing? Cause most of the people I like, most of the people we interview, um, you know, are fairly inexperienced. Um, a lot of people are like in high school or college, like they just want a job for like a few years just to like, you know, uh, as they, you know, get ready to get into their career just to make some money on the side. Um, but like that inquisitiveness is like a big thing for me. Um, cause it shows that you want to learn, um, and you're accepting that, you know, I know nothing about this industry. Um, and even like, even if you do know a little bit inquisitiveness about processes, inquisitiveness about, uh, the specific like company that we're using, um, you know, about the history of the shop, things like that, where it's like, um, and then that that aspect, and then as you see them like going along, like after you kind of make that hire and keeping an eye on people, like are they like you know putting in a little like extra work or, or not extra work, but like are they going above and beyond um, in terms of enthusiasm? Are they uh, you know are they taking it seriously? That that's the main thing. It's kind of like that's that's what I like to see uh, the most, and I think that's that helps out. I mean, it depends on your your industry too, but. Um, that's just been my experience with coffee. Hmm. Oh, that, those are really good tips. I think the curiosity is something or inquisitiveness, as you mentioned, is something that I, I think no matter what field you're in, that's going to set yeah. you up for success. Just being a continuous learner, I think is one of the ultimate skills nowadays. Yeah. Um, I mean, look at like Elon Musk. But, yeah, exactly. Uh, I think one of the things that, uh, I wanted to ask you is do you guys have a marketing budget do you guys spend money on marketing we actually don't uh not a ton well we do we okay so we have we we have spent money on like um local billboards uh and like bus stops um but most of our marketing over the last few years has been mostly online stuff uh Hmm. like even that was was lacking at the beginning um, it was mostly word of mouth and then it, uh, we started getting more into the online sphere now. So we're really active now on, uh, Instagram and Facebook. Um, and that's done a lot. Like it's, we we're getting a lot of people like coming in for that. Um, and then we also have, yeah, we've, we've done some stuff with Yelp and Google too. Um, and that kind of helps like with, you know, search algorithms and things like that. Um, but we're not dropping like a ton of money on marketing. Um, just because I think as the local shop and as like word of mouth has spread around um, and like we've just been getting so many more and more people like without 
putting in that much like money into the marketing aspect. Not to say that it isn't important. It's just we're capitalizing on like these smaller, smaller aspects of marketing to, uh, you know, bring people in. Um, but yeah, it's been mostly focused online uh, with a few. Uh, also, uh, doing events is something that we do. That's also marketing, um, mm. like with schools. Um, so like, like local schools will like do like a PTA meeting or like a an like a teacher appreciation thing, and like they'll uh, ask us to bring some coffee and like uh, some desserts. Um, we'll have a stand there and like be there. And that, that's kind of like a way of marketing because you're reaching out to an area that maybe people haven't seen you before when they're like, Oh, this cup is really good. Uh, where, where are you guys at? Um, so we've done it with a few places like apartment complexes, um, schools, uh, things like that. And that's also like in a, a couple gyms too. Um, and it's just like, you know, really tapping into like the local atmosphere, um, to really get our name out. That's been a big thing. Cause there's like, you know, uh, chamber of commerces, um, you know, doing these types of events where it's like, you don't have to shell out a ton of cash to like, get your name out there. Right. That's the thing that I think a lot of people get stuck in is, um, like have feeling the need to like drop a ton of money to, you know, in, to do various forms of marketing where a lot of it can be done with like time and effort. Mm. Yeah. That's really, uh, I think what is evident by what you just mentioned is that you guys have tried a lot of different things. Even if you're not spending a lot of money right now, you guys have tried uh, and dabbled in a lot of these different areas. So I'm curious, like for someone that is starting a coffee shop or starting a business, what, what would you recommend? I know like, especially I think the perspective that we've had on the podcast, I think quite a bit is probably the online business already, but for a brick and mortar business, some, you know, you actually have a physical location. Where would you recommend doubling down? You've done billboards. You've been at these Chamber of Commerce events. Um, and then you've also done online. Where would you recommend doubling down? I think definitely starting out just because, like, you are starting out and you don't want to shell out a ton, like, in the beginning. Um, unless you have, like, investors where you can do that. But even then, like, I think the most efficient thing has been, number one, investing, like, time into, like, a good online space. So what the, whether that means a website, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, you know, being involved and active on these sites, whereas like you're you're uh, interacting with customers, with you know, people who are engaging with your with your content, uh, posting pictures, uh, making announcements, you know, stuff like that. Um, that helps bring attention to your space, and you can like put a little bit of money into like the you know the added services that they have with those websites too. Uh, but then also like tapping into that local market where it's like, you're going to events, you're reaching out like individually, like you're letting people know that you're there. Um, and if you have money to put in, like with like, uh, cause signs, like signs are always help actually, like, honestly, like they do. Really? Um, a lot of times, yeah. Like we put up a few, like around like a few bus stops. That was our main, th- uh, our biggest one is when we did the bus stop one, we did it around like four or five bus stops. Um, and like instantly we were just getting people coming in. Um, some like told us, like we saw you at the, like, it was just around like every corner we'd have like, you know, funny, like catchphrases like on it or something like that. It's like, we we had one where it's like, there's a, there's a coffee bean, uh, across the street. And we were, we were worried just some context about, we were worried about them because they had a drive through and we're, and we don't have a drive through because we're like all about that, you know, like the, the more like sophisticated cup of coffee, but. 
Yeah. Um, so like we put one like right in front of their place, which is like close to us, but it's like, you don't get your coffee from a drive through do you? And it was, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was like right there, like on our, on their way to like us. So it's like, uh, a good way to like bring attention to, to ourselves. Um, and also just let people know that we're there because that's the, also the other thing is that when you don't have that, a lot of people will drive by you, not having any idea like that you were there. Right. Mm. Um, but I think, um, so having that for people who aren't as, you know, into the online space is good, but also remember that a lot of people are very invested into the online space, like in terms of their time and like what they look for when they're looking for, uh you know uh a coffee shop a lot of people like when i'm in another city what i do is i type in coffee and i turn my location on and i see what's good and i look for the local places close to me um so i think investing in that and then you know making sure that you are a good product uh and getting people to you know do reviews um having good reviews is always like a great thing like like alhamdulillah like we've been having great reviews for like um ever since we've been open, um, like always above four and a half, no matter what, um, overall after like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of reviews. So when people see that, then they're going to be like, okay. And they might not even mind going a bit out of their way for, for you if you're, uh, you know, that good. Right. Um, Hmm. so that, I think the, the online space is a really, you can do a lot of it for free, which is why, you know, I would suggest to a lot of people to do, and just when they're starting off just to like get their foot in the ground uh or foot in the water <laughs> sorry uh, <laughs> but uh you know that that's a good way to get yourself started i would say and word of mouth yeah like your your own network and stuff like that mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of things that i wanted to double click on here so sure. the first one is it like with even with your billboards, I think one thing that you kind of just brushed over like it's no big deal, but I think is really smart is you guys, the creative you had was actually good, right? And that's why it converted, right? Like yeah. you, you guys knew how to take that attention and convert it into uh, like people that are. So a lot of people may get a billboard and their messaging is not, you know, yeah. it, people are just like, well, what is yeah. this about, right? Yeah. So I think that's one thing that's super important that. Like, hey, think about like, and you guys placed it in the right place too, right? So yeah. I, I think the lesson here that I'm getting is that like, look, all these methods are still effective if you do it right. And what doing yeah. it right means is understanding who you're talking to absolutely, and what, and, you know, communicating the value you provide. So going to the people that are leaving the drive-through and then kind of making a joke saying, hey, do you really get your coffee from a drive-through? Like that, that is, that's going to work, right? Like, because yeah. you're reaching those people. And you're kind of hitting them where it hurts, right? Like you're making fun of them a little bit. But yeah, I think uh, what I'm curious about here is how do you like, what's your strategy for Instagram and Facebook? You said you guys are active on both of those. Like do you guys do? So I've seen just based on the small business I've seen on Instagram, I'm not really on Facebook, but like I've yeah. seen them do like giveaways. I've seen yeah. them just like, hey, we have a sale happening. And then a lot of it is just like, hey, this person came in, let me post a picture of them or like this is a new product, right? Like what is what is it that you guys are what is there a deeper strategy behind it or is it as simple as that? Sure. Um so with Instagram, I'm not on it. Uh myself, uh my siblings are the ones who run the Instagram mostly, but 
um, from what I've been seeing from it and what people talk about it. And I like, I check on it uh, every now and then too. Um, and similar to Facebook as well. It's like, uh, it is similar to like, okay, so it's like, you're going to have like your announcements for what, like, okay, like we're having a sale for X happening. Um, it's mostly a way for us as a business to communicate with the customer base, right. In a, mm-hmm. in a way that's not, you know, they can communicate with us like when they walk into the shop too, but it's also like, how are we, you know, uh, communicating to them outside of the shop too. So it's not just about like gaining new customers, but it's also about, you know, keeping the ones that you have engaged in like another level where they're also constantly like where you, they're, they're going to be thinking about you because they're seeing you online. Uh, mm-hmm. they're seeing you post, uh, the product. Right. Um, so a lot of it is just trying to bring in people with, uh, post pictures of, uh, like different coffee drinks. If we're, doing some new specials. We do those all the time too. Um, any like events that we're going to be at, we do those. We do like a thank you to the, whatever organization hosted us. Um, you know, a lot of times it's uh, us sharing people who are tagging us. Like they had a meeting at the their shop and like they posted it on Facebook or something like that. Um, it's not so much as like focusing on like individuals per se, but it's also uh, also like giving like certain employees a feature too, like they, they add their own little personality to it as well. Um, you know, maybe they made a, uh, like one of their favorite drinks and like, they're just showing it off like the drink that they made. Um, maybe something like interesting in the shop that we just added. Um, so just kind of like showing like what we're doing, um, and keeping people like invested in what we're doing. Um, that's been the majority. And then just keeping people like up to date, like with announcements and stuff like that. Um, like I said, it's not like a hardcore, like, you know, uh, pushing strategy yet, but like, um, it's mostly to, to have that level of engagement. No, I think that's really one thing that I'm getting here is that like a lot of these big businesses like Dunkin' Donuts, Starbucks, like you, you don't have, you're not able to engage with your yeah. local Starbucks offline or like after you leave right and so uh even just having a page it sounds like what you're saying even just having a page where you're staying top of mind for your customers and reminding them that you're out there yeah. that will go a long way uh because you know uh you know they'll remember the experience they had they'll come back Absolutely. you know they'll share it again so uh, and i think that's the same thing with you know i started posting clips of my some of these podcasts on instagram and honestly like my you know, first couple, you know, people are supporting, they're your friends. And so they'll watch them, they'll click like, yeah. but my engagement's really gone down. But what I've seen is like, when I talk to people and I run into people, they're like, oh, your your podcast is really good. And I know they're not listening, but they've seen the clip. So, so like, <laughs> so at least like in yeah. their minds, I'm staying at top of their mind that they know that I'm a Chima has a branding podcast. Yeah. And so if, if exactly. I need to talk to someone about branding, I need to go to Chima. Right. And yeah. so even if it just serves that purpose, that's more than enough. Absolutely. Right? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It depends on what your goal is in that respect. Um, and that, that, that's, that's, I'm assuming it's part of what your goal is with that. Like, yeah. 100%. Uh, next thing I want to talk to you about is reviews. <laughs> so you, you briefly touched on this getting good reviews. You guys have gotten good reviews. Uh, I will be like the first to say that getting good reviews is no small feat, right? Like uh, if you could just kind of take a step back and kind of explain how you're getting these reviews, because it's not as simple, at least from what I've seen, right? Maybe it's different in the coffee space and people are actually going out of their way to review, but like most people are not going out of their way to review stuff. You have to ask for reviews. 
Yeah. Right? And so how are you guys approaching making sure that the people are that are enjoying your stuff are leaving reviews and uh, you know, how are you approaching that? So at least lately our strategy has been, we have not been asking people to review because it comes regardless. Um, Oh really? I don't know why. Like it's just like, it's given like with rushes and stuff like that, where it's kind of like a lot of the times in these busy hours, you don't have as much time to like converse with the, the customer and stuff like that. But, um, a lot of times with new customers, they, uh, a lot of them will review it just without us asking them to like, they'll, mm. and it's not just like a oh, five star blank. And it's, it's like five stars and they <laughs> a whole paragraph about why I love this place. Um, early on. Yeah. It was like, we were, uh, like when I was a barista, I was asking people to review us. Um, my uncle, I remember my uncle always like telling people to review us. Um, but lately it ha- we haven't been focusing on that as much. I mean, it's honestly just like us not, you know, being on top of that. But um, it's just kind of like the the it really speaks for itself. It's kind of like they they walk in, they they walked in because, like I said before, it's a small business. They they saw us or they saw us on Google. They saw our our, uh, bus stop ad. They saw whatever it was that got them to walk inside. They were enthralled with, you know, the the customer service. That's something that always gets uh, referenced if you read the reviews. It's like they're very fond of like the people mm-hmm. who are talking to them and serving them. And like they're a lot of people who are walking in like have no idea about. They might not know anything about coffee. They might not know anything about or you know what they even want. But it's like okay, based off how we trained our baristas, it's like they're going to be a guide for the customer who's unsure basically. Um, but that's something that always gets talked about a lot is the customer service. And then when they have the drink, they mention the drink that they had, uh, how much they love it. Um, so it's really, um, it really is like, it, it's really done it for itself. And like, um, and it's not just that, but also like, we'll go and look and respond to each and every review and talk mm. about why or right, reply to them and thank them. Um, and there's that level of engagement that like, okay, we care about these people who are coming in. And even if we do, there's, obviously we're not fully five stars. There's the occasional review that is not five stars. So we're even replying to that. We're, you know, trying to figure out what, what might've been the issue, um, stuff like that. Even if it's like a completely nonsensical thing, like when, when there was like a act, when there was like the restaurant lockdown in Arizona, like people were giving us bad reviews because we weren't letting people sit inside, but it's like, we legally cannot let you sit inside. There is a mandate in the state of Arizona, in the city of Phoenix that, we cannot let people sit inside the restaurant. Um, so like, That's even ridiculous. if, even if it is like completely nonsensical like that, it's like, you know, we, we kind of had to address it and like, you know, you know, keep in mind, you always have to have like your, your customer service mode on. Like I can't like as much as sometimes people want to. And that's something that also you kind of have to, we were kind of dealing with a lot with, you know, the whole COVID thing and like being in a very, uh, it, it's a very, uh, politically diverse uh, customer base, if I, if to put it lightly. So it's like, you're getting a lot of people who have varying opinions and about, you know, you know, given how like uh, I'm kind of veering off a bit, but like, you know, dealing with customers in a good way, regardless of what they're saying, regardless of, you know, how they're treating you, how they're talking or whatever it might be. Um, and people appreciate that. And they, they, and it's not necessarily that you're not being, authentic but just general general respect for everybody um is something that a lot of people appreciate and that a lot of people aren't 
getting in other places or like they're not getting like even like even if mm. uh, I don't necessarily give like, you know, a whole lot of care about what they want to talk to me about, I'm going to be invested in the conversation in some degree, right? I'm going to, you know, listen to them. Uh, I mean, it is like a version of like, it's like our, our version of the halal bar- bartender. Like you're essentially a lot of people's like, you know, free counselor a lot of times too. So it's like just being invested in what, uh, you know, people are talking to you about, it, you know, it goes a long way and people really like that. And that helps with, uh, with reviews because they, they think you're friendly. They think, you know, you're, you're great to talk to. Uh, they feel like they feel comfortable in the space, regardless of whatever, you know, the individual's views might be or whatever it could be. So, yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. That, that reminds me, I had a, I, I mean, I still have a friend. Uh, <laughs> he used to have courtside tickets to the Cavs. And when I was in Cleveland, we went to a couple of games and I asked him, I was like, how much are these tickets? And it was something absurd, like twenty thousand yeah, dollars a piece yeah. or something. I was like, "Dude, why are you why are you paying this much for like these seats? Because the seats, like honestly speaking, this is my opinion. So haters gonna hate, but this is how what I believe is like the seats courtside are actually not that good, right? Like in terms of view, it's actually probably better to be like a couple rows up so you can see everything that's happening. Yeah, yeah, right. Because yeah. then like uh, if you're like on courtside, courtside like the first row, then yeah, like you can see everything. But like if you're like two rows back, it's like you have people in front of you. They may be standing up and stuff like that. Yeah. It's like it's easy to get that view of So I was like, dude, why are you paying for this stuff? He's like, bro, I'm not paying for the view. He said, I'm paying for when I walk in the door, they know my name. I know the players by name. They know my daughter's name. The cheerleaders know me, right? And it's that's the same concept that you're bringing up. Is that like, yeah. you know, personal service, personalized service, and investing in understanding and caring for people. That is something that is universally like that will you can charge a really high premium when you have really good service right so just wanted to highlight that point here that you brought up and i did want to spend some time talking about traversing tradition so for the audience that's not familiar with traversing tradition can you give us a quick background to what this project is and yeah how and your your involvement in it yeah um so Traversing Tradition, we're an online publication. Um, honestly, it was started up by a bunch of students. Uh, all of us were, I think all, almost all of us were in undergrad when we started the this project. Um, so it's an online publication. Uh, we're mostly writing articles. And the articles are about, uh, you know, l- looking at modernity and like the kind of all the issues that we're, we're facing uh, as a community or as a society, as a world. Uh, you know, through a, uh, through a Muslim lens. So, uh, really, you know, trying to assess like these different things that are coming at us, specifically a lot of like the ideologies that we're dealing with, a lot of the, uh, isms that you hear about in like a lot of like, you know, spaces around either university setting, uh, in, you know, now it's getting more and more into mainstream. Um, so like looking at all of these and like kind of how, you know, giving, an avenue of how to navigate, like how we go about all these different arenas um, and areas, uh, you know, through a Muslim lens. So like, how are we as a Muslim community supposed to respond to these things? How are we supposed to interact with these types of things? Um, why might X ideology be harmful? Um, you know, uh, and we've kind of expanded uh, in terms of like the things that we talk about um, in terms of like the content that we're, uh, we're doing now. 
Um, but you know, it started based off it's, uh, we're not like a, a local, uh, starting organization, although a few of us actually do happen to live in Arizona, but, um, most, most of us are based out of the U S across the U S or the UK. Um, we have a few people in other parts of the world too. Um, but our board is made up mostly people from the U S. Um, so basically we started off on Twitter. Like that's, that's literally how we started out. It was a bunch of people talking about, you know, uh, Islam, history, politics, uh, culture, uh, you know, trends, things like that. Um, and we're like, okay, why don't we just turn this into something where we can actually like put our thoughts together in like a meaningful way, uh, you know, show it and like help, uh, you know, show it to people who, who also care about these types of things, because like something like this didn't really exist in that sense. Like you had a lot of like, there were like, we were not the first like Muslim writing publication ever. Right. Uh, there's tons of that before, but it's like, you didn't really have ones that were like talking about the things that we started talking about. Um, you didn't have like a lot of like, even like scholarship talking about like what, you know, the things that, you know, are that a lot of people are wanting to be addressed. So it's like, okay, so all of us have like, you know, good links to, you know, people who are scholars. Um, we can ask for their opinions about, you know, what they're, what, what they think about this. They, we can ask them to check our work and stuff like that. Make sure we're not saying anything like blasphemous or just out of line. Um, or basically kind of like, you know, uh, you know, letting people know like what, what does our tradition, what does our religion, uh, you know, say about, you know, whatever it is that we're, we're talking about in that instance. Um, and now Alhamdulillah, like it's grown a lot. Um, we became an official nonprofit and, 2019 so uh going strong for three years we officially established though like as a as like a mainstay publication in 2018 so um but alhamdulillah like it's, it's grown a lot we our staff has grown uh a lot of the people on board uh to diverse cast and crew of people from across the world um uh, people with differing views people with different backgrounds um but still like dedicated to the mission of that we're trying to push out I think what stood out to me when I was going through uh, some of the articles and uh, just the team in general is that how like I would I, like I wouldn't be surprised if an organization like this popped up and everyone was in Phoenix, right? <laughs> but like n n not like not a knock yeah. on Phoenix, but like what I'm saying is like the organization actually has people all over United States and uh, I mean like you mentioned UK as well. So question to you is like, how do you, how did that happen, right? Like, how are you getting these people to contribute in this mission, in this project? Uh, did it happen organically? Was it Twitter? Like, how did you convince people to start contributing their thoughts and ideas to this um, from all these different parts of the world? Yeah, um, it was very organic. So that's the thing that a lot of like organizations don't have when they start up is like, like you care, or like, it's like all the people, like they know each, like we all knew each other, like before this all started, before we all came together, like our original starting crew was like 19 people who were like invested in this project. Um, That's a lot. <laughs> I think, yeah, 19. I mean, it's not necessarily that everyone was like the CEO, right? But it was like, right, right, right. we're all going to write, we're all going to edit, we're all going to, you know, make this, it was just started off as just like a basic blog before like it became like a full-fledged non-profit organization. But um, it did happen organically, like via Twitter. And that's the thing that, that, uh, Twitter can be, I mean, I don't, you're not on Twitter, right? Uh, 
I, I recently created one. Okay. Right. So you, you don't know how bad it can be, but, um, but in terms of like, uh, the nice thing about it is that it helps you find people in like, in your different corners of your interests and like find people who have those similar interests that are aligned with you. And it's very easy to find people with, you know, similar morals, um, you know, similar, uh, backgrounds, uh, you know, people who like, like talking about the things that you like talking about. Um, so that's how it really started is that you, we, we've kind of all found each other like on Twitter and like, we're having these discussions, um, and then decided to, you know, put it all together. Um, so it did happen organically. Um, it wasn't like we're all going to start an organization. No, this like, we were talking about things that we were going to do, or we were talking about these things that we're currently writing about for like a year to two years. Um, and then like the, the organization came to fruition after that. Um, after it's like, okay, we're all talking about these things, but nothing's getting done. So, uh, maybe, you know, let's be more productive about what we're discussing. So that Alhamdulillah, like it's been, you know, a great blessing for that. Now, like, I think what for the audience and for myself, like a really important point that you just brought up is that Twitter and social media can be a very powerful tool to connecting you with like-minded people, like-minded individuals that can help you, um, you know, create a community where you can start doing things that are uh, bigger than just yourself. So, and it can also be, you know, just a a total waste of time. So you got to be intentional with what you're looking for and what, what you present of yourself. So you can find those people uh, that, that connect with you. So you said it's a nonprofit now. Do you guys have paid staff now or is it like uh, everyone's still volunteering? So everyone's still volunteering right now. I mean, the goal is to make it like this kind of like full-fledged organization eventually. Um, so that's kind of like the crossroads that we're at right now. It's like all of the people who are kind of originally invested in this project are kind of like going into like their their act, like their careers that they were planning on doing. So it's like everyone, it's like almost everyone is in grad school right now from like our original team or like they're, they're working like full time um, or, um, but they're still committed to the project. So it's like, um, we eventually want to get to that level. So it's just trying to find a matter of how to take it to that level with like our current level of like uh, investment with like these other things that we're involved in too. Like some people are in law school. We have, you know, some people who are in, uh, like I said, I'm in grad school. We have some people in med school. Um so it's like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, but mashallah, like, I think that's a big thing about like the baraka of time and like, you know, investing in like good work is that, you know, the, the work still gets done regardless of like, you know, us all being strapped for time. Um, so we don't have any paid staff yet. Um, we have some things that we pay for right now in terms of like fees and like, uh, either like projects that we're trying to un- get under underway. Um, but it's not like a, a cash cow right now or anything like that. It's mm. not we're not raking in like a ton of money or stuff like that. Um, it's not like, a where you, you been. Know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where, where you been will be in one day, inshallah. But, um, like it's, yeah. So right now it's not at that level. Um, the goal is to eventually take it to that level. Um, so whether that's like looking through different grants, uh, you know, fundraising, uh, like more, more deliberate fundraising, because we've done fundraising in the past to kind of like cover our fees and stuff like that. But um, more so like deliberate fundraising for like, okay, we have this specific project that we want to do, or we want to start paying, you know, uh, 
ex employees. So we still we still have like a board, and they are technically staff, but they are they all are like volunteer. Um, hmm. you know, like mashallah, like and it, it is like quite a few people who have like dedicated themselves to the project. Uh, you know, completely free of charge. Like the entire like everyone who's on the team has done like a tremendous amount of work, mashallah. Especially, uh, you know, uh, the people who've been here since the beginning. Um, they're really like dedicated to like making this into something like uh, worthwhile and long lasting. And do, do you mind sharing, like, do you guys get a decent amount of hits on the site? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, alhamdulillah, like every, every year we've increased our viewership. Um, every year we have increased like the, the kind of engagement online too in social media. Um, and we're trying to like hit on different avenues too now. So it's like, we're not just doing articles or we're not just doing like long form articles. We'll do short articles too. We'll have uh, poetry submissions too. We'll do video content. Like um, we've done a few, like uh, what do you call it? Live streams. Like we've invited like uh, scholars on uh, and do, done live streams with them and like talk to them about, you know, certain things that we're talking about um, and like, uh, you know, reaching out in different arenas. Right. Um, and we're still mm-hmm. kind of exploring of like, what what's uh, other arenas that we can kind of get into like uh, is a podcast in the midst in the future right is uh more video content stuff like that but i mean but despite us trying to diversify too like the the writing has stayed very like great mashallah it's been you know consistent and consistently we've been increasing like our level of engagement and like viewership yeah i i, I think that's one thing that i want to just touch on here is that like I believe that writing is one of the most underappreciated skills. Absolutely. Like in the world, like honestly, like if you are a good writer and, and that's a skill you have and you enjoy doing it, like the, the world is like at your feet. You know what I mean? Like you can yeah, yeah. go out there and create whatever you want to create. Like all, all, like all the basis of content creation is writing, right? Like absolutely having an idea and then being able to put it into words and then, from there, right, like you're able to draw traffic and then you can funnel it however you want. But sure. um, like what, what you guys are doing is really noble work and really trying to change worldviews and inform and educate. So yeah. uh, it's good. We don't we don't necessarily need all the writers trying to make a quick buck. So that's, yeah, that's yeah. good. <laughs> but yeah, um, talking about with where you've been too, where it's like you have like people invested in the beginning. You have people invest, even the people who are jumping in now who like want to be a part of like the organization's future. They want to contribute in ways just beyond what their, you know, their title is. Like if they're a staff writer, they also want to volunteer in other ways and like uh, do things to help out. So it's like you, you kind of are like, you know, creating that level of investment from like your like baseline employee. Um, and that that's like a principle that's consistent across like every organization, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. If you're in the Phoenix area, you have to check out Where You Be In Coffee. And for Traversing Tradition, you can check it out from wherever in the world you are. All you need is a phone or a computer. I will leave both links in the show notes. Now, as always, I have my key takeaways from this episode. But before we get into that, I want to share a clip with you from our discussion with Amani Mahison on branding a bakery. definitely very challenging competing with you know Costco or Sam's Club because I sell my croissants probably one croissant for the price that they would sell six at you know 
but they're also not making it by hand the way I am. They're probably not taking three days to make their product like I am. And they're not one person running a business like I am, you know? But competing with Costco, competing with Sam's Club, competing with Meyer, trying to convince your clients to come to you instead, you got to sell your product. You got to believe in what you have and you got to give free samples. It's the only way. And if they like your samples enough, they'll come by. They'll want to support the small business. And I say it very confidently because it's happened. I've stolen clients from Costco and it's the biggest like reward. It's such a great feeling to know that all the time and energy and effort that you're putting into one small product um, versus like this giant corporation and this person is willing to trust you. If you enjoyed this episode with Zane, I am sure you'll enjoy the discussion with Amani. Check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. It is episode number 27. Now here are my key takeaways. Oftentimes you'll see employees at small businesses are more bought into the mission of the business. This is because the owner takes the time to show their work ethic and they have a good curriculum for their employees to learn. If you're the type of owner that only checks in once a week, you can't expect the employees to be much more bought in. And number two, you don't have to spend a lot of money to get your name out there. Take advantage of the local scene, find out where your customers are hanging out, and go to them. And that is all for this episode. If you enjoyed this discussion, please consider leaving a review and sharing with a friend. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week.